Tales of the Travelling Bag by Griselda Hill Narrated by William Merrin Hill On his first adventure into the wide world beyond the nest, Jerry the gerbil meets Jesus. With the help of his human friends Joanna and Joel, he becomes a disciple and accompanies Jesus throughout his travels and ministry. Tale number three. The Wedding. John 2, verses 1 to 12. Among the richly embroidered blues and reds, the sunbeams glinted on the threads of gold that Joanna's busy, nimble fingers were neatly sewing. Beneath her slim brown hands, embroidered wildflowers grew in profusion, delicate and fragile on the snow-white silk in an imaginary breeze. She had laid out her market wares early so that she might finish the task before her, because today was the last day she could work on this, her present for the bride, for there was to be a wedding. Below, among the dusty pebbles that lay against the synagogue steps, sat Jerry. His brow was creased, and he saw without seeing as he stared at the grass seeds around his feet. His tail was twitching gently, which meant he was thinking. The master had called him to be a disciple, as surely as he had called all the others that day beside the lake. But Jerry hadn't seen him since, and found being a disciple difficult when he had no one to follow. Sure, he had talked to his family in great excitement, and they had listened, they encouraged his stories. But his father, Abby, had a growing family to feed and spent his days searching for food, coming home weary and tired late in the evening. He had no time to spare. His mother, Emmy, was also busy and could hardly leave their nest. His brother, well, he was just his brother. Harem, scarum, everywhere at once, in trouble, out of trouble, never had a minute. Meals were the best time of day, and often Jerry had to be reminded to nibble because he would talk excitedly, waving his paws in the air as he recounted his adventures. But this wasn't enough, and he knew it. More than once he had sighed at the impossibility of convincing his family that their lives were empty without the master. They just had to meet him so they would understand for themselves. Here. Take it, coaxed Joanna, holding out a wheat stalk. Jerry's black eyes glanced around him warily, but he hopped closer and took the yellow stalk from her fingers. That's better, she said. Look, isn't this pretty? It's the hoopah for my friend. The hoopah? Jerry knew what that was. It was the canopy held over the bridal pair as they stood before the priest at the blessing of their marriage. He stroked the red flowers gently, wonderingly, as they seemed so real. Joanna laughed delightedly and folded the cloth away into her basket. Why don't you come? she asked, standing and dusting down her apron. I'll take you. See the baskets lined against the wall? Tomorrow they will be filled with food and everyone will be going to the wedding. You can bring your family too, she added as she walked away. 
My family, too, thought Jerry. But will the master be there? he squeaked. Almost as if she understood, Joanna called back over her shoulder. Jesus and his friends are all invited, and his mother, too. This is my chance, thought Jerry, and tumbled down the steps in his haste to reach his hole. Before dawn the following morning, the gerbil family crept through the market and hid themselves deep in the covered baskets that stood waiting in the half-light against the wall. Jerry's brother, Billy, had rolled his eyes when told that he was to accompany Jerry. Nevertheless, he trembled with excitement, and even behaved himself all the long journey to the village of Cana. Twice the party had stopped in the shade, and the gerbils had taken each opportunity to search for crumbs. But it was dark, very dark, when they all arrived among the silent, shadowy houses. Joanna was welcomed by the bride herself, and the two girls hurried into the lamplight of a large room. To Jerry's surprise, the room was full of girls, beautiful girls at that. He and Billy whisked themselves out of the basket and hid high on a shelf behind one of the stone lamps. Oh, but it was noisy. All the girls were talking at once. Did girls always do that? Will it be tonight? asked Joanna. No, not tonight. Thad's father hasn't given the word yet, but we think it'll be tomorrow said Esther, the bride. It has to be, grinned one of the younger bridesmaids. That fish won't keep long in this heat. And she pointed to the pièce de résistance that lay on the shelf. Jerry glanced down at the fish. It was enormous. He shuddered, remembering the fish that had nearly swallowed him. The great goggle eyes of the fish stared upwards, unseeing. Its shining scales glistened with oil, and swirling patterns of olives and spices adorned its ridged back. Jerry felt a little sick and turned away. The girls were still chattering, so he crept closer to listen. Last April, after the betrothal ceremony, the bridegroom, Thad, said that he was going to prepare a place for Esther and he would return later, said Elizabeth, a large girl with lustrous black eyes and hair down to her waist. So we asked him when, but he teased us and answered, only my father knows. Then he went home, and ever since he's been building that house, broke in the smallest bridesmaid. I went there. It's so beautiful but it was finished ages ago. Then why aren't they already married, thought Jerry. They have to wait till his father says it's time, the girl went on, almost as if she had heard him. But I think they were waiting for his uncle to get here. He lives in Damascus and has to come all the way by donkey. He's ever so old and slow, and so's his donkey. The others giggled. Hard to tell between the two of them. It's good that he's coming at all, said Esther. Anyway, I've always liked him. He's in charge of the feast. If he gets here in time, laughed Elizabeth. But the wedding has to be tomorrow. It simply has to be, because the fish can't wait, shrieked Joanna, and they all roared with laughter. When they calmed down a little, Joanna asked, Are you ready? To be married to the handsomest, most wonderful man in the world, cried Esther, who is also a disciple of the Master? Of course I'm ready. 
"'Do you think it could even be tonight?' asked Joanna. Esther shook her head and glanced at Elizabeth, and they giggled. Joanna became serious. "'Are you sure everything is ready? Have we enough oil for the lamps? Is everyone dressed, just in case?' "'Yes, I'm sure. All the lamps are full, my bag is packed. Besides,' and Esther giggled again, lowering her voice, "'my kid brother's stationed at the end of the village, and he'll come running if he sees anyone coming up the road at this time of night.' Elizabeth nodded and whispered, "'We were in the market, and Thad's father was there ordering the wine. We overheard him ask particularly for it to be delivered to his house tomorrow morning.' He said, and Elizabeth deepened her voice in imitation, "'Not halfway through the afternoon. That will be too late for me.' Everyone laughed. "'So it's tomorrow night,' cried Joanna. "'That's wonderful.' She sounded relieved. "'I suppose we'd better tell you now that we have special unpacking to do. "'Your hopper is finished, but we still have to decorate the throne "'you'll be seated on when you welcome your guests. "'Come, Esther, my duty as chief bridesmaid is to see that you get your beauty sleep. "'Tomorrow you must sleep in. You must leave us to decorate.' "'The girls settled down on their sleeping mats, "'and Joanna blew out the lamps, leaving just one burning. "'In case—' she said, as she lay down and covered herself with a blanket. Jerry scuttled back down the shelf to where Billy sat. We must be careful, he whispered. It will be very busy here tomorrow. We must be in the baskets by evening, because the bridegroom may come at any time after sunset, and we must be ready for the procession. Come along. We'll find mother and father and look for a safe place to sleep. Taking his brother's willing paw, Jerry led the way along the shelf, down onto the stool, under the door, and out into the starlight. By late afternoon the next day, everything was ready. The baskets were repacked, and so much food was added to them that Jerry wondered whether there would be room for him. He was examining one of them when he suddenly saw Joanna watching him from the doorway. She pointed to the basket and shook her head. Beside the door was a leather bag. She nodded her head towards it. Jerry blinked his bright eyes in return. That would be better. You couldn't have a whole family of gerbils suddenly popping their heads up among the soft bread rolls. That would spoil the whole wedding. He hopped away and went to find his parents to tell them. He found them sitting on the wall among all the village children, watching a crowd of people coming up the street. In the middle of the group was the master. Jerry's heart leapt. It was all he could do not to jump off the wall and race down to meet him. But he kept quiet. His parents had to see for themselves that this man was different. Everyone had to make their own decision. It was so obvious to him, though. It was there in the eyes that were full of love and compassion, wisdom and joy all at the same time. It was there in the face that was alight with happiness. It was there in the rich, deep voice that was brimming with laughter. It was there in the easy, carefree stride that brought him closer and closer. 
There was a sudden burst of song, and one of the young men seized the master's hands. In a moment, the two were whirling around in the steps of a dance. Others began to sing and clap. Suddenly, in the middle of it all, the master's eyes lighted upon a little girl sitting by herself. His hands reached up and lifted her down from the wall, pulling her into the dance. Jerry saw her pale, tear-stained face light up with joy. And the master shouted, Haste to the wedding, my little princess, no time for tears or sadness. Rejoice, for the Lord is king. And he hoisted her onto his shoulders. The crowd passed by, sweeping everyone along in their wake and within moments the gerbils were left alone, sitting among the dusty stones and dried grasses. Abby was staring down the road at the departing crowd. That man, he said slowly, letting out a long breath, that was him? Jerry grinned and bounced down, saying, Come on, let's follow him. The sun set in a soft, glowing sky of pink and purple. As the last colours faded, a silvery moon slowly rose over the rooftops and filled the village with shadows. A dog barked. There was a flutter as a late bird folded its wings for sleep and the breeze whispered among the olive leaves. Suddenly, there came the slap-slapping of sandals on the hard road, and a boy raced up the street towards Esther's house. The door opened, light shone out, and there was a short, whispered conversation. Meanwhile, just outside the village, a tremendous noise broke out. It was the sound of a horn being blown, accompanied by a great shout of, The bridegroom cometh! The bridegroom cometh! Again and again the horn pealed out across the rooftops. Dogs barked, chickens shrieked, and doors flew open up and down the street. The shafar, the shafar, the bridegroom cometh, went up the cry. Lights, voices, the tramping of feet, the clip-clopping of donkey's hooves, and the wedding party hove into view with much merriment. It was the bridegroom, splendidly dressed, accompanied by his group of friends and followed by all his relatives, from the oldest to the youngest. He was coming to claim his bride, Esther the Beautiful. But was she ready? Indeed, she was. Gracefully and elegantly, perfumed and veiled, Esther the Bride demurely descended the steps, followed by ten smiling, flower-adorned bridesmaids, each holding a lighted lamp of oil. Together they greeted the groom, and lifting her high onto her gorgeously decorated throne, the young men carried the bride down the road and towards the bridegroom's house. Behind them, the shofar boomed out again and again to the cheers and good wishes of the somewhat sleepy villagers. Down the street went the procession, each guest holding high their flickering lamp. One by one they passed, and the line of bobbing lights wobbled and danced its way on among the houses. Jerry was so enthralled that he almost forgot that he had to be inside the bag with the others or he would be left behind, and he scuttled hastily to the steps and jumped in. Not a second later, the bag was lifted, and they were off to the wedding. 
For Jerry, the wedding could have lasted forever. His eyes could hardly take it all in, and he even enjoyed the long mutterings and chantings of the priest, although he didn't understand a word. But his enjoyment was marred by his brother. Billy was bored with waiting. The tables were piled high with food, but Jerry wouldn't let him sample so much as a nut. In fact, he said quite severely that only scraps were allowed. Billy wanted to sneak out and examine the kitchen to see whether there were indeed any scraps, or even to check up on the food that had been thrown to the chickens roosting outside. But Jerry was being very much the older brother. The only safe place for the little creatures was high on a shelf, away from the dancing feet, so there they had to sit. Billy wriggled and squirmed with annoyance, but Jerry watched in delight as the bride and groom stood before the priest, their heads bowed. Then he saw Joanna holding one of the poles of the canopy she had embroidered, the chuppa, and, oh, but it was all quite beautiful. Suddenly, and without warning, Billy launched himself from the shelf and leapt onto the hooper, sliding down the silken slope and landing in a heap in the centre among the embroidered flowers. Jerry gasped and held his breath. The little lump that was Billy was bouncing up and down, lower and lower, and any moment he would be right on the head of the bridegroom. Jerry glanced around wildly. Every head was bowed and no one had noticed except the master. His eyes rose to the wriggling bump in the centre of the chupa, and he hid a smile. Reaching up carefully and silently, his cupped hand swept up the little gerbil and popped him into the pocket of his gown. Patting the pocket, the master caught Jerry's eye and winked. Jerry wiped his brow. How had the master known to look up at that very moment? He felt so embarrassed. A crimson flush spread down to the tips of his whiskers, and he went hot and cold at the thought that the wedding guests could have always remembered this as the wedding disaster of all time. And it would have been his fault. He'd let the master down. He should have watched Billy more carefully. He hung his head and a tear escaped him and splashed down onto the shelf where it widened out into a tiny pool. There was a cough and he saw the master standing by the shelf. Quite clearly into Jerry's mind came the voice. Brothers, always into everything. The hand of the master reached up and lifted him gently off the shelf and into the folds of his hood. Sighing with relief that no one had noticed, Jerry leant back and relaxed. The master understood. The hours passed happily in feasting and dancing. Morning was in the sky, but the guests were still enjoying themselves. Jerry woke up. He could hear voices close by. They've run out. Thad's father is not a rich man, and there's only the cheap wine left. There have been so many guests, and they're still calling for more. It was a woman's voice. But my time hasn't come, answered another. That was the master. No matter. You can fix it, I know you can, replied the woman cheerfully, turning away. 
Do as he says, she said, speaking quietly to the dismayed servants who stood holding their empty jugs. The water pots by the door, are they empty? questioned the master. Yes, Rabbi, answered one of the servants respectfully. We used all the water washing the feet of the guests. Then be quick and fill them again, was the reply. The servants hurried to do his bidding, and in no time the huge water pots were full to the brim with cool water from the well. Water? thought Jerry. They won't be wanting water. It'll spoil the wedding. He scrutinized the master's face where an eyebrow rose quizzically, and there was just the hint of a smile. It's okay, Jerry told himself. He knows what he's doing. The master was speaking again. Draw some out with the ladle and take it to the uncle of the groom, he ordered. The servant obediently dipped the ladle and lifted it to fill the glass. The water, sparkling in the sunlight, was as clear as a mountain stream, but as Jerry watched, it tinged with pink, deepened and became rose-red. A warm, fragrant scent filled the room. The servant gasped, poured it into the glass and hurried away, sucking his fingers. From across the room Jerry heard the groom's uncle's delighted chuckle as he tasted the new wine. Jerry's eyes filled with tears. It was a miracle, a real miracle. The master had saved the day, again. Now there would be no embarrassment for the bride and groom or for the family. It was a miracle! He wiped his eyes and saw the servant's face wreathed in smiles as she poured glistening wine into a jug. They're saying that the best was kept till last, she cried. Jerry smiled and glanced down to check whether his brother had seen what had happened. To his dismay, Billy was no longer in the pocket, but swinging on the cord of the master's belt. He swung backwards and forwards, having the time of his life. Oh, no, cried Jerry, what next? And he began to scramble down to stop him. He was too late. Billy had reached the end of a long swing and let go of the cord. Jerry watched in horror as the little gerbil's body arched through the air over the top of the water jars. He held his breath. Maybe Billy would fly over the top and land out of sight in the corner. But no, it was not to be. The little gerbil had already begun his descent, and the mouth of the last jar in the row yawned right beneath him. There was a splash. With all the noise that was going on, one would have expected the sound to go unnoticed, but it didn't. Jerry and the master reached the jar at the same time. Jerry peered over the edge and saw Billy swimming round and round, squeaking with fright. The master regarded Jerry quizzically. Will you do the honours, or shall I? he asked. Um, it had better be you, muttered Jerry. I'll never forgive him for this. Once again the master reached out his hand, but this time he hauled Billy out by his tail. Hmm, he said. 
Billy's eyes widened until Jerry thought they might pop right out and there was the faintest of squeaks. The master started to laugh. Jerry, he said softly. Until seventy times seven. Pardon? asked Jerry. Forgive, said the master, lowering Billy gently onto the floor where he scuttled off into the kitchen at top speed. Jerry found him there a few hours later. His fur had dried all spiky. He had the most amazing smell about him, and he was extremely sticky. But penitent. Jerry stared and his mouth twitched. Did you enjoy the wedding? he asked innocently. Billy sniffed. All that fuss, all that bother, relatives everywhere and food that you're not allowed to eat. And as for wine, I will never, never, ever get married, he said. It wasn't wine, at least not when it started out. It was a miracle. I don't hold with miracles, said Billy. Jerry hooted with laughter. His brother scowled and hunched his shoulders.